0: That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100, best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: There's a million things as far as advice goes, but I would say if you're not working with a coach, find one. There's a lot of things that could prevent you from succeeding quicker.
0: Before we get into today's episode, I want to mention today's best ever partner and give you a free gift. And that partner is Fund That Flip. And they're going to be giving you a free deal analysis spreadsheet. You know who Fund That Flip is, don't you? Because you're a loyal best ever listener. They've been a sponsor on the show. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the podcast multiple times given us his insight on the online lending process fund that flip provides fast reliable funding for your house flip projects they're an online platform makes the application process entirely easy and they've got a whole bunch of experts on their team who can help you get funding in 24 hours and close within as few as seven days and all of you best ever listeners You're getting a free spreadsheet to help you analyze your projects. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever. That's fundthatflip.com forward slash bestever. And you'll get a free deal analysis tool. It'll help you provide a scope of work for your projects, create the scope of work, analyze the profitability of the project, or if it's not profitable, you need to know that too and make a determination on the max purchase price super important you can print out all the detailed reports and that will help you get your deals funded faster. Go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Get that free analysis tool, fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. With us today, Jesse Wyatt. How you doing, Jesse? I'm doing awesome, Joe. Well, that's great to hear a little bit about Jesse. He is the acquisition and business developer at Synergy Redevelopers LLC, which is a real estate solutions company. He's been recognized by Widener University for his innovative approach to business success. He buys, renovates, and sells residential real estate to the wholesale and retail market. He's based in Ponte Vedra, California near Jacksonville, Florida. And you can say hi to him at his website, synergyredevelopers.com. With that being said, Jesse, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Sure. I am in the real estate market here in Florida for two years. I had moved here two years ago, a little over two years ago. And I decided to get into real estate because it was a passion of mine for quite some time. So if we could just kind of go back a little bit, my business experience started about 13 years ago. Right around that time, I started picking up some real estate books and kind of got bit by the bug, but I didn't know how to go about starting a business in real estate. So of course, the same books everybody reads, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Carlton Sheets courses, but I got cold feet. I didn't get started. I was kind of like a, a wannabe at the time. And I went in and started my own business in the industry that I was running someone else's business in. So let's fast forward. That passion has never left me. I started a business, sold it in 2012. I flipped the business. And now after all that business experience, which has been super valuable to me in my career, I dove right into the real estate market here in Jacksonville, started out wholesaling. And I love the business model of wholesaling. So I'm really, really just super excited about just sticking with that model because I love it. And plus, it also opens up a lot of other creative opportunities to close some deals too. So being a one-trick pony is not a good game to play. So I've gotten very savvy in other areas and that's basically what I'm doing. I love the market up here or down here, I should say, but up here in Florida and I will continue with everything I'm doing. Just for some
0: context, because I think it will help us understand more about where you're at now. What business did you start and sell in 2012?
1: It was a screen printing and marketing company. So what I was doing before that, I was running someone else's business for nine years. And uh, as most people start to look around you, you get a little smarter. You're saying, okay, I'm making somebody else wealthy. So that's when I started to think about what I wanted to do next in my career. Having a growing family and just kind of having that knack for I need something bigger and better. I went to the path of least resistance and this is where I was kind of in a fork in a road. It was either real estate, which I was just picking up, learning, plugging into some networks, just didn't have enough resources. And I didn't have enough business experience, I think, in that realm. So then I chose, like I said, the path of least resistance. And that was starting a screen printing company. And it kind of evolved into a skate and BMX store because there was a demand in the market. And my setup was a retail store. So my initial goal with this business was to print my own streetwear designs, have my own designs and sell them in my store. But what happened was we had garnished the front window and we got a lot of traffic in there because it had like a streetwear feel. I think I put some skateboards up and kids were coming in and they were like, Hey, do you sell skateboards? And I'm like, no. After about 50 kids <laughs> came in, guess what? That's the entrepreneur. In me. I was, all right, well, there's a gap in the market. There's no competitors. Now I'm a skate shop. Now I'm a BMX shop and it blew up. It blew up big time. And I had a print shop in the back to supplement my income. I was printing t-shirts. I was getting contracts for big companies. And I had a ton of kids in my store every day. And that went on till like 2012 when I got burned out. <laughs> I'm a workaholic. I love to improve business. And I created a monster. And eventually, I just wanted to leave that legacy where it was. And I sold it. And I didn't know what I wanted to do next because I was burned out. So I took some time off. And I realized because I had a non-compete, I could not get back into that same market. It's what I knew best. So what I decided to do is pick my family up, move to Florida. Loved the weather here. Hated the winter up there. Got here, bought a business, flipped it in nine months. And then I said, you know what? I love the real estate market here. Let me get into this because I had a few opportunities to go to a seminar and I took advantage of it. And that's what put me into the whole game. And I said, you know what? Let's do this. So I went right in, used all of my business experience for the past 20 years, applied it into the wholesale model, the assignment of contract model, which I love, and it allowed me to go with little money, start a business, but then leverage my business experience to build a legitimate business. You know, As you know, there's a lot of people in this kind of uh, wholesaling gig that kind of fade away, but uh, I treat it like a business. I, Mm -hmm. I love building networks and I love connecting with people, I love solving problems, and that's created a great opportunity for me.
0: And I'd love to talk to you more about that aspect of applying your business experience to wholesaling now that we have the background on where you're coming from. How did you approach it? What specifically have you done to structure the wholesaling model as a business and not a fly-by-night operation?
1: Well, one thing is marketing. And when I sold my business in 2012, I really wanted to dive into internet marketing. I love the fact that if I can bring my laptop anywhere and run a business, I thought that was like a genius idea because I went into burnout mode like I had mentioned. I didn't want a brick and mortar. I didn't want employees. I wanted something I could do solo. And I failed horribly at that because it was just a lot to learn. And that was my kind of where I was in limbo between selling the business and moving. But I love that aspect. So I applied everything I learned into internet marketing, marketing, me, my business, and all the experience that I had in business into wholesaling. I treated it like a business. I wanted to go out there and brand me and my company. I wanted to show people that I was serious. When you call my company, you're going to get an answer, not a voicemail from Google Voice. So I took it serious as a business. And I love more than anything, anything I've ever put my hands on in business, I love building systems. So for me and my previous businesses, it was easy for me or not easy, I should say it was challenging, but it was always the end goal for me is to take the business and build a system, scale it so I can step away and manage it properly as opposed to working in it. And I applied that to wholesaling and it's kind of just a conglomerate of marketing. The awesome thing is I've been doing this for two years. I'm a newbie. However, I have people asking me all the time, hey, how do you do what you do? How do you build that momentum? Well, it's because I like to build a system and building that system means that I'm not answering every phone call. Although sometimes it matters when I'm on the phone with a client, but I'm not trying to do everything. Been there, done that. So applying all those principles to wholesaling and treating it like a business is, it's leaving me room for a lot of more success than I can with any other business. So I love the business model of wholesaling. Again, I I can't say that enough because it's basically, I'm taking somebody else's money. I'm leveraging my experience in speaking with clients and I'm flipping paper. And I love that. I, I can bring my laptop anywhere, work from wherever I want and just watch my systems in place, whether it's, of course, the marketing, having a virtual assistant, having an acquisitions manager, warm up the lead for me. So it's all systems, marketing, and like I said, my knack for business. I love building businesses and systems.
0: Very helpful. And I love how at the very end, you start talking about the actual components of the system. So let's talk about that. Actually, before we do, one question comes to mind. You said, when... Someone calls your company, you get an answer from someone, not Google Voice. And immediately I start thinking, okay, that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people try to automate the process, but really when they talk to someone, it's better. So that's what he's doing. But then you said you love building systems. So then I'm thinking, okay, how does that align with answering the phone all the time? So how do you build a system while still having the high level of customer service that's needed to close deals?
1: That's a good question. So the way I've always seen it is a pipeline. And this is going back to my business experience in production, where something comes in and it has to go in a specific pecking order up until the completion. So that's how I've seen everything come in. A call comes in. And you can call my number 24 hours a day. I put that everywhere in my marketing. Call me 24 hours a day. If you're a motivated seller, I answer my phones. So that goes to a call center. Call center goes through a few questions. Actually, a little more than a few, depending on the caller. And that gets fed into my system. Now, I use Podio as a platform. So I have full control over how I can systemize and delegate tasks. So a lead comes in. Of course, you're calling my call center. You're getting a wonderful person on the phone, very professional, and they take down your information, and that now gets fed into my system. Then I get notified. Me, I see a lead come through. Then the next step is to my virtual assistant, making sure if the seller lead provided all their information, getting the property card, getting all the information, pulling some comps. This is all done within one hour. Getting that information in front of me or whoever's gonna call the seller. So I have enough information in front of me so I know my exit. I like to know my exit right away. I like to know what I'm going to do. Now, I don't try to push that on them because I'm building rapport. I'm not going to go and throw you a lowball offer and slam the phone down or they hang the phone up on. That's not my style. So, but I like to have enough information because sometimes, as you know, sellers may not be fully honest with you on situations, whether it's in foreclosure or if they're back taxes. Or, so all that good stuff is done and set up. After that, it goes to my acquisitions manager. Then he sets up an appointment and goes to see them. And then from there, I will get on the phone, talk about their solutions, what solutions we can provide. I'm not a one-trick pony. I don't offer just wholesaling lowballing, 50% on the value. So you have a system where, okay, is it a wholesale? Are they going to be okay with it? Does their mortgage balance allow 50 cents on the dollar or whatever your buying criteria is? we get all that information together and then it allows us to map out the exits.
0: What are the exit options? So wholesale is one option. What are other options that you look at?
1: So the second option would be, it's a tough one, but a subject too. And sometimes I intermingle those with a lease option assignment. So you can say, okay, so you want to sell your house. i buy houses in a few different ways. That's basically how I present it. I have a letter of intent with three options. And it gives them the options in their face. It's not like I'm selling this or speaking it. So I provide that right away and they can read it, they can look at it, and it provides a good option. So option one is at a discount. Option two, lease option, get your price, be happy, we assign it over to somebody. But there's a little longer of a process there that it may take. Some people are not open to that. And three, if they're really in over their head or over leveraged on the property, then we look to, we take over the deed and we take over the mortgage on their behalf. And then that's a hard sell for some people because you're saying, hey, you're leaving the mortgage in your name. You're going to deed us the house. And what we're going to do is we're responsible for all maintenance and repairs from this point forward. But we're going to put a tenant in there and hopefully sell them after they can qualify for it. Or we can just cash flow on it if it allows us to and ride it out. Or do a mortgage wrap later on. It all depends. There's a lot of different strategies that we can look at. But as the opportunities come up, we have to make sure the seller is okay with them. And they're hard to explain to some people that have no idea. People think when they sell a house, they either do a FISPO for sale by owner or or they have to list it with a realtor. So when you have somebody like myself go in and say, hey, there is other options. You just have to get them to see the opportunity there. Some people will give you their house. I had a guy that would give me $5,000 to get out of his house. And what's that scenario? Why would he do that? He had a house. He modified his mortgage back in 2012 and he just let it go. It was very just uh, dirty and just negligent to the property. And I basically said, this is how much this house is going to fix up. I mean, it's going to take a lot. And he said, well, here's my mortgage. You know, I had it modified and there was a gap in there. My mortgage was like $865. I could rent this thing for 1250 If I got somebody to kind of patch up some repairs, I can make this thing a rental." and ride this thing out. So he said, listen, I got to move. I got to get out of here. I don't want to foreclose. What's it going to take to have you take over my mortgage? And I said, well, I got to repair this house. I don't like to pull money out of my pocket at that expense. You know, a couple thousand thousands fine. He said, if I gave you $5,000, would you do it? And I said, all right, <laughs> I can do that. You know, so deals like that are far and few. So don't, if your listeners hear that and they think, wow, you know, these deals are engineered by the way. These aren't just falling your lap type deals. People think, oh, I'm going to do a, a loose option assignment or I'm going to do a subject to, I'm going to do this or that. These deals are engineered by somebody like me or anybody else out there that knows how to listen to the seller and problem solve and then offer that opportunity for them. And like I said, it was a prime example for somebody that gives you money to take over their house. So that was a cool one.
0: How are you set up with the lease option in terms of your team's infrastructure? Because you first give them the option of buying at a discount. Second, lease option or subject to. The third is take over the deed and mortgage on their behalf. As far as the lease option goes, that's going to be more of a involved process with your team who does what?
1: So the seller wants their money. They want their cake and they want to be able to eat it too. So what you say is, if I were to get your asking price, would you sell on lease option? Sure. Who would say no to that? I mean, so you know, we actually have to pull some comps and get all that stuff. Now, those types of deals kind of go back a little bit. I got somebody giving me those leads. And the way we have that set up, this is a partnership, by the way, on just lease option assignments. The way we have that set up is I go and I manage the process all the way to the end. I'm not doing a lot of hands-on stuff. So when that warm lead comes in, because I had another partner that does that aside from my company, somebody approached me and says, hey, I work this market in every angle of the United States. How would you like to join venture? But I need a boots on the ground guy. So I said, yeah, sure. And how that works is warm lead comes in. He sends over the contracts. Then we plug in with a real estate agent. Real estate agent then we put the onus on them. They're going to find that future homeowner and place somebody in that property. And then that way, I'm only managing the real estate agent. I'm not managing the seller of the property. We're managing that agent and saying, hey, we need to place somebody in this property that will get a loan in two years. Because a lot of people, whether they're transplants here in Florida, a lot of people move down here on just a work situation, or there's people that have less than par credit and they have great jobs. And that's a lot of opportunity right there. And uh, for some people that they want their price and their home sold, then we match those two up. And that, again, the simplicity of that is lead comes into me outside of my company. I then delegate that off to a real estate agent who then places somebody in there. They get their fee. And then we ride that thing out for two years. Whatever is going to happen there on the back end, we can make money and then in, in some cases, of course, we get a lease option assignment too.
0: Yeah. And that is the lease option assignment is the initial payment that the individual who's leasing it is making. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yeah, so it's a fee up front. It's an upfront fee. It's how we assign the deal without having a license. What we're doing is we're, we're marketing our lease option. So that fee is paid up front. And then seller is happy. It's paid up front by who? That's paid up by the buyer or future buyer. Basically, they're a tenant. That's all they are. They are a tenant. It's paid up front by the tenant because they're going to say, hey, I want to own this house. This is a great opportunity. I love this house. And these are nice-looking houses. These aren't ghetto properties. There's a whole different market here in Northeast Florida for that. But these are nice-looking houses, so they're willing to pay it up front. And sometimes there's cash flow in between, which is more lucrative for the seller to be okay with this whole lease option. But they have to be okay with somebody living in the property They're not going to be a landlord, so to speak, because that's based on the real estate agent who's maintaining this on the management level. If somebody has a mortgage payment each month, let's say it's $1,000, and you can rent it for $1,500, well, there's some room there, not only to cash flow, but pay the agent or the property management company, in most cases, that 10%. So it's a win-win, it really is. We get paid up front, and then we're just deal matching. Basically, we're the matchmaker and if you do this on a large volume, you know, it only takes a couple deals a month to really make some nice income.
0: What do you say to a homeowner who does not want to sell at a 50 to 60 cents on the dollar discount, but then also when you ask them, if I got your asking price, would you sell on a lease option? They say, what's the lease option? You explain it to them and you talk to them about how it's over a couple of years. I'm like, ah, I need the money now. What's your response?
1: Well, I find out why they need the money now. There's always an opportunity to open up if you ask the right questions. So asking the right questions. And then I deal with probate, divorce, all kinds of different situations. So I have to know what their situation is.
0: I have $50,000 credit card debt, and they're going to start knocking my credit if I don't pay it back. What do you say?
1: As much as I hate doing it, then it's a referral to an agent. Okay. Yeah. because here's the thing. I have to look at my KPI. Like if the time I invest in each deal, that's my last resort, by the way. Like I said, I have a pecking order in, in my deal structure. What's my exit? What's potential for this particular deal? Now I will go through the ones that I think are going to work. And if they're not being sold on it, that's okay. So then I say, you know what? I have a great agent that will work with you. And then I push it off. So it's like, move on. And then I'll follow up with that agent. And of course they pay me for that lead up front. That's how it works. So there's always that to go to. But being smart in this business is trying to extract as much opportunity out of one lead. I mean, people just let go. of they leave money on the table, if you spend a little bit more time with somebody and understand their situation. I spoke to a lady last week that went nowhere. I actually encouraged her to rent her property because all of my exits didn't work. But she enjoyed talking to me and I left some great value There with her, and and I left a good name for myself. And I do that a lot too, by the way. Not every deal turns into something, but I love talking to people and problem solving and helping them see that vision of there's other opportunities there. Don't let your house go. You don't have to do this or that. If they're okay with it, or if they can, or they have that option, then it's possible. So for her, she ended up renting it, and we're putting up for rent. She didn't rent it yet, and she's gonna make a couple hundred bucks a month. And she's gonna go get a beach condo because it was too much for too big. So referral or just educate people because that value goes a long way. You don't know how many calls I get from people because I sat with them on the phone and discussed options. And that's my gig in my business. You know, I enjoy doing that. All the other moving parts, like I said, I build a system, I delegate them. Now I have to jump in a few times. That's normal, but I don't mind being on the phone.
0: What is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: First, There's a million things as far as advice goes, but I would say if you're not working with a coach, find one. There's a lot of things that could prevent you from succeeding quicker. So find a coach, find someone to work with, plug in, network, and build a plan, like a mind map, but a business map. Like where do you want to go? How much do you want to make? What are your plans? You have to ask yourself the right questions. So, hey, I want to be a real estate investor, but I have no money to start out. Well, okay, so that would be start out wholesaling, assigning contracts. So how many deals do you want to do a month? I want to do five deals a month. How are you going to do those five deals? Where are you going to market? What happens if you hit this pitfall and that challenge? So you have to have a clear idea of where you're at, where you want to go, write it down. But while you're doing that, A coach, if you can afford the coach, and you can do it for a couple weeks, call by call. So those are the two things I would highly suggest. If you have a couple extra dollars, call somebody. Plug in. Ask questions. You'd be surprised on how many people will just call me up off a bandit sign, and then they start picking my brain, and I'm talking to them. Hey, I don't mind. I love giving that value. So if you're smart enough, you'll figure it out. But first and foremost... Have a goal set and a map to figure that out and visualize that and uh, plug into group systems. Facebook's really powerful with that. You know, find out and ask questions. But don't ask for too much without paying because I know people that get a little annoyed at that because they do charge for their time. So there's a lot of different opportunities for people just to do that. That's my best advice for anybody just starting out. And hey, I'm just I'm learning every day. I just love taking action and I love results. So if you have that fire, it's going to happen. You just follow a few steps and make it happen.
0: You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Remember to get your free deal analysis tool for your flips at fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com forward slash best ever. It will detail your scope of work. Help you analyze if the project's profitable and make a determination on the max purchase price. FundThatFlip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's gonna sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm gonna be there a bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference they want to meet you in person go to besteverconference.com best ever book you've read
1: jeez there's so many well i'm going to say what the game changer is and i know this is kind of like a common one for everybody but rich dad poor dad that's the one that kind of flicked the switch in my brain that's what changed everything for me i'm going to say second which i have to throw another one in here because i could probably name 10 but uh, how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie those two books hands down you got to read them
0: best ever deal you've done
1: Oh, okay. Um, that's a deal. Well, okay. I'm going to throw two at you because there's two awesome deals that I've done in the past two years. So one, actually I had somebody that owned three properties and they wanted to get rid of them and they were distressed. So I assigned them over to one buyer. And then what do you know, that buyer called me about a year later and says, Hey, I fixed them all up. I've got them cash flowing. They're great. Can you take these on and move them to another investor? And I said, sure thing. And I did. So that was like a double whammy there, man. That was awesome. They came back and I sold those three properties twice. On the other one, I did an awesome deal in my local market here in St. Augustine, which I love, by the way. I love that market. It was a flood damaged home, made a nice chunky assignment on it. And two things, the reason why I love it is because I love the area. I love everything about St. Augustine. And two, it was a nice payday on that one. What's the
0: biggest mistake you've made in real estate so far?
1: I don't look at anything as a mistake. I try to see it as a learning experience or learning challenges. But if I were to say not starting soon enough, but here, I can always go back on that too. So if my mistake was not starting soon enough, what happened was through those years, those 13 years that took me to get into real estate were valuable.
0: Let me rephrase it, uh, because I'm with you on every mistake is a learning experience and we grow from it. So I wouldn't want to not have that happen. But if a situation were to reoccur, so it's already occurred in your business, and it were to reoccur, what's something that you would do differently knowing what you know now? Either tactics with a deal, particular deal, knowing what you know now, you'd do something a little bit differently, but you're glad you learned it in the first place, something like that.
1: Well, first and foremost is knowing your numbers in your market. If you don't know your numbers and you're doing an outside deal virtually, but that's a mistake I've made several times. It's just not knowing numbers or Trying to make a deal out of a no deal. Pass, move on it. If it's not a deal and you know you don't have a buyer for it, move on. There's some other wholesaler that's going to grab that and, and be okay with making 1000 bucks. But my time is worth more than that. So don't make every non-deal a deal. You're just wasting your time. That's basically the best advice I can give because I've been there and done that. I've tried to say, what can I grab from this? What can I make from this? And it doesn't always work to your advantage. There's a whole thing that goes into marketing that contract that it's just not worth your time. So don't think that you can make that non-deal a deal. Just pass.
0: What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you?
1: Look me up on LinkedIn because everything's on there. You can contact me there. It's LinkedIn.com and... Gosh, I'm not even sure what my domain on there is, but if you look me up on LinkedIn, Jesse Wyatt, or just Google Synergy Redevelopers in Ponte Vedra, Florida, you'll see my page there. You can reach out to me there. I got some really cool stuff coming out this year, by the way. I'm going to plug it real quick here. Is I have a couple of courses. I have some awesome marketing tactics that no one's really touching on specifically for. Wholesalers. It could work out to other investors too, but it's an online course that I'm working on. So if anybody's interested in possibly even being a beta student in it, I'm working on some really, really neat stuff because I love the online platform to generate leads, really targeted ones. So you're not just blowing money on mailers every month. Hit me up on LinkedIn, linkedin linkedin.com and I think forward slash I N and then forward slash Jesse Wyatt. You'll see my face there and, and you can reach out to me there, email me call me, whatever.
0: Sweet. Well, Jesse, thank you for being on the show and talking about the main takeaway clearly is how to make the most out of a lead by having multiple strategies for working with someone to come up with a solution that works, whether it's buying at a discount to get them out quickly, doing a lease option, perhaps even referring them to an agent or taking over the deed and the mortgage on their behalf and uh, working with them that way, albeit not the majority of the time, but certainly does happen. I've interviewed people who have talked about similar stories where someone just gave them the house and gave them a couple dollars to take care of it. So thank you for sharing that wholesalers. I sure hope you paid attention to this episode. That's for sure. Because if you are just simply looking for a wholesale deal and you're not thinking about lease options and other ways to come up with solutions, then you're missing out on a lot of money. That's for darn sure. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: we Will do, Joe. Thanks.
0: Best ever listeners, it is here. Well, it's almost here. February 24th and 25th. The conference, the best ever conference. Have you signed up yet? Oh, if you haven't, you better sign up right now. It's going to sell out. Besteverconference.com. I'm going to be there. A bunch of the guests who you've heard interviewed on the show are going to be there. Just go to besteverconference.com and look at all the speakers that you're going to hear from that will help you move your business forward in 2017. I want to meet you in person. The best ever guests who are speaking at this event want to meet you in person. And people who haven't been interviewed on this podcast who are speaking at the conference they want to meet you in person go to besteverconference.com